Um, we're really excited that we're about the series that we're in. I'm really excited about the message that we're bringing today. It's sort, sort of bringing this in for our landing. It uh, will be the last message in this series. Um, and the premise of this message is real simple. That uh, it, it's sort of about if, if you're a person that's maybe kicking the tires of, of faith, you're searching out Christianity, you're wondering about uh, is there a God, is there a different way to live, is there a, a higher power, is there another way, is there something that I don't know out there. We are, we start, we're talking about that faith or belief has a starting point. And for many of us, that starting point, uh, some of us, we grew up in church, our, our dad or our mom said, here, believe this. And we said, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And, and we believe that. That's sort of a little bit of what happened to me. I grew up in a Christian home where mom said, here, you're supposed to believe this. And I said, yes, ma'am, that's what I'll believe. And there's nothing wrong with that. I did that same thing with my kids. I said, you know, here's what we believe. I didn't give them a book of world religion and say, here, pick one. Just choose whichever one you want. No, I said, here's what we believe. And, uh, but the thing that happens with so many of us as adults is we, we, you know, life happens to us. We hit these different points in life where, uh, you know, I know what I'm supposed to believe, uh, but it seems like as I look around, things have happened to me, and I look around at the world, and I see all the evil and crazy things that are happening. There seems to be a gap in what I believe and, and what I'm experiencing. And different people uh, view that different ways. Some of us just decide not to look at that. You know, I, I don't want my faith to be harmed. I, I just like, la, 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 I'm not going to look at that. Because, uh, you know, I believe this thing and I'm going to believe it no matter what. But some of us have decided, you know, we've grown up, we're adults, we need to face some realities here. And it seems like the things that I, were taught, that I was taught, maybe it's not exactly in line with the way that real life is. And so there can be this gap that develops between what we think we believe and what real life is. And so that's sort of what we're looking at, um, is what, what would that look like if we just wipe the slate clean. What would it look like to hit the restart button, reboot the computer, and say, okay, as an adult, I know what I was taught as a child, but what if I'd never been taught any of that? What would it look like? What would that starting point for faith be? How would I know if I should be a Christian or Muslim or a Buddhist or whatever? How would I know what I'm supposed to believe? How would I know what's true uh, and what would that look like? So that's what we're doing. And, you know, even if you're, maybe you're a person that hasn't been in church for a long time, this may be your first time here or whatever, um, it's, it's something that if there is a God, if there is this eternity or if there is heaven, if there's a way that I'm supposed to believe or a way that I'm supposed to live, you know, I want to know about it. You may be in that particular place, but I'm not sure just exactly what I, what I believe. But uh, if you missed the, the messages that came before this, you can go at any time to stonebrook.tv. And you can check out the messages there. You can listen to them anytime. If you fell asleep during one of the messages or you weren't here. Or if your friends want to know about the different messages, you can go there and they can check them out online. And especially, especially those of you that have been coming to Stonebrook for a long time, if you haven't liked our, our page, uh, you know, you can go. That, of course, this is Stonebrook.tv. But go to our Facebook page as well and uh, like our Facebook page. And that keeps you updated. And we put the messages on the Facebook page as well. Now, here's the thing with me, and, and let me just take a real quick poll. How many of you would consider yourselves, uh, even, even if you believe in God or, or whatever, but you would still consider yourself sort of naturally concerning things, sort of a skeptic, sort of a skeptical person? I may even say that you're sort of a skeptic. Absolutely. Oh, I thought, well, God is playing music from heaven. What is that? It's coming from up there. So you shouldn't be a skeptic. God's playing music, huh? How about that? 
But uh, anyway, me, you know, even though I believe certain things, of course, I'm standing on a stage trying to convince people every week of, of certain, certain beliefs, um, I, I consider myself a skeptic. I just don't accept things, hook, line, and sinker. That's, uh, and it started happening to me as a, as a very young person. It sort of just built and built and built as I became an adult. That even though I was raised a certain way, um, and, and I was raised, and many people, if you were raised in church, you, you sort of think that it's, it's almost wrong to question. If you've been in certain churches where you, if you had certain questions about God, and you went to them and said, hey, you know, I, I wonder about this, it was almost like you shouldn't even be asking that. You shouldn't even be thinking that. That's wrong for you to even doubt or have questions. But um, I, I, I discovered this verse, and today's message, by the way, it's not going to be much of a sermon some of you may think, well, what's the difference? It's never much of a sermon anyway. But, you know, I'm, I'm just going to throw a few scriptures out there occasionally just to keep you guys that are really, really Christians happy. But this is just going to be a conversation. But here is one scripture that I found years and years ago that really helped me. And it's Luke chapter 1. Now, you, you know, many times we think, well, the Bible, it's the spiritual book and there are all these Bible stories in it. But actually, I discovered that there are historical documents, especially this guy named Luke, he was a very intellectual, very educated man. He was a, a physician. And he had a friend. His friend's name was Theophilus. And he wanted to explain to his friend the, about the events that happened concerning Jesus' life. It's basically a documentary that Luke is writing. And he starts it by this. He said, having carefully investigated. And I discovered years ago, it's all right to carefully investigate your faith. It's all right to carefully investigate things concerning God. It's not just, well, you just got to believe. You're just, you're just supposed to believe. You just got to have faith. Well, I, I, what if I don't have faith? Well, you just got to have it. Well, I don't have it. Well, so, but Luke says, no, I didn't just take somebody's word for it. I, just because a guy stood on a stage with a robe, just because a religious man with a tall hat said that I'm supposed to believe things, I didn't, I didn't accept that. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I've decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus, is the guy's name, so you can be certain of everything that you were taught. There can be a certainty. There's evidence, there's logic, there's reasons to believe what you believe. It's okay to question, it's okay, okay to investigate. So that's sort of what we're doing with this series, is if you were going to become a Christian, if you were interested in becoming a believer in Jesus, what would that look like? What would be, where would be the place that you start other than, well, the Bible says so, other than, well, my pastor says so, where would we start with that faith? So what we're going to do today, this is sort of the last one, and like I said, we're not going to talk much about the Bible, not that there's anything wrong with talking about the Bible, but we're going to sort of take a step back and just look at this subject, this word, faith. And faith is something, it's actually, it's perhaps the most confused, abused, misused concept in all of religion. Because, and there's so many words that we use, so many concepts that we use every day, but when we come to church and we use those same words, we, we get a different attitude. We, all of a sudden it's mysterious and it's spooky-wooky and we get, we get looks on our face and we say, you just got to believe. And you're like, are you constipated? Are you feeling ill? What is the deal? Why do you have that look on your face? But, you know, Monday through Saturday, you use the word faith, you use the word believe, and they're interchangeable. You deal with these concepts every single day, and it's not in a religious or a spiritual context. So let's step back from church religion just for a little bit, and let's talk about it. So three observations, just, just normal observations about 
the subject of faith. The ability to believe is the most powerful force at mankind's disposal. The ability, and it is an ability. Like my dog doesn't have the ability to believe. Now you may like your dog. Your dog may be amazing. My dog's sort of goofy and just all he cares about is, oh, there's a ball. Let me have that ball. That's all he cares about. He doesn't get together with all the other dogs in the neighborhood and say, you know, there's, I, I think we could do this. He doesn't talk about, they don't talk about what could be and what should be and we can improve and we can, no. They're just like, there's a ball. There's another dog. Let's bark at him. That dog's close. Let's smell his butt. That's all he's about. He is, that does not have the ability to believe, but we as humans, <clears throat> we have this ability to look into the future, to think things through, to look at problems, to consider principles and concepts and say there's a better way. And in fact, everything that's ever been accomplished by humans throughout all history has happened because someone believed that it could be and that it should be. Somebody got together and said, you know, they talked to each other and they changed the way they thought and they said, we can do this. We can change this. Uh, you know, for example, years, years ago, polio was such a terrible, terrible disease. And, but some people got together and said, I think we can beat this. I think that there's a way. They believe that it could, be, could happen. And an entire disease, amazing, amazing, amazing things have happened because human beings got together, they talked to each other, they changed the way they, th- they thought, and they suddenly, mountains were moved. We have, you know, Jesus here. I'm going to throw, throw Christians a bone here. Here's the scripture. Mark eleven twenty three. Pay real close attention. Jesus said it this way. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Now, we get into church with this concept, and we start having these really amazing theological discussions. Do you think he literally meant a mountain? You mean we can talk to a mountain? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but we've seen it. Step back once again from religion. We've seen huge mountains moved. Uh, diseases. We've seen uh, mountains of, of racial inequality, mountains of gender inequality all over the world where people got together, they started to talk, and sure, there's more mountains. As soon as you move one mountain, you're like, well, there's another one. And people get together and they talk, words, 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 and they change the way that they think, and those mountains move. There's, there's diseases that they don't even exist anymore. If they do happen to pop up in some other part of the world, other people know how to handle it, and that mountain has been moved simply because somebody believed it. Not in church, not with religion. It's that this thing about belief is the most powerful force that's available to humans. Um, Ideologies or belief, that's all ideologies are, are belief systems drive world events. You see this in the world today. You see it in the history of our own nation. Years ago, our own country, you know, we're hanging over here in the 1700s and some guys got together and you said, you know, I don't think we ought to be paying taxes when we don't have somebody representing ourselves. Ourselves. I don't even think that's a word. Is that right? Ourselves. That's not correct grammar. But they talked just like that and they pulled up their pants when they talked just like that. And they got together and they said words and they said, I don't think we should do that either. And all of a sudden we had ourselves a war because everybody started believing the same thing. I don't think that that's right. I think that we should do this. And words were said and beliefs were formed and hope and anticipation came and all of a sudden we're a country. You come a little bit later in our history, in the 1800s, we, we, began, we became divided. Certain parts of the country said, well, I think the economy would work better if we do it this way. Well, I think the economy, I think we should have states right. I think the economy would work better if we did it this way. Well, I think we shouldn't have slavery. 
Well, I think you ought to mind your own business. Well, I'm going to get a gun. Well, I'm going to get a gun. And so people talked, changed the way they believed, and over 800,000 people died just because of a clash of beliefs. Faith is this amazing force that is either produces marvelous, amazing things or horrific, dangerous things come because people talk, they get together, they change their beliefs, and mountains move, things are accomplished, and horrific acts occur. When we believe something, it's possible. When we believe it's possible, we look for a way until we find a way. Isn't that true? If you believe something can be done, you'll look for a way long enough until you find a way to do it. There are a lot of stories of, of uh, like tech companies. This is just sort of thing they did years ago, and I think they still sort of do it. Uh, tech companies, when a new employee comes into the business, they sort of as an initiation to prank them, you know, welcome to the company, and they give them this impossible task. They say, okay, go, here's, here's, you know, you're new here, here's your, here's your first project, go work on this task. And they're all behind the scenes going, that's impossible. And so he's over there working it, how's the project going there, Ben? Oh, it's going good, it worked. And everybody's laughing, it can't be done. And, but guess what happens? Every now and then, guess what happens? They solve the unsolvable project. They come in, hey, I figured this out, here's, they always, it was impossible, we were just joking with you. Yeah, but you forgot to tell me that. I actually believe that it was supposed to be done and that it could be done and that it should be done, so here you go. And they figured it out because this powerful thing that I believe God gave us, now once again, we're not talking about stepping back, not talking about church or religion. It's just this thing that's inside of us that if we believe something is possible, we look for a way till we find a way. It's been proven optimists always outsell. They're smarter, less optimistic peers. Some of you here may be really, really smart, but you find somebody that just believes it's going to work. They're the ones that will seem to always excel. Perhaps you've experienced this where maybe you're in the Army and you've done well in the military or Navy, uh, Air Force, Marines, whatever you're in, or perhaps you've been in business. I know I was a businessman for years and owned a business, did certain things, and it's sort of, it's very interesting for, to me to look at organizations, to look at business and see why does this one succeed versus why does this one succeed? And I don't know if you've ever experienced this where you, like I said, maybe you're on, you have a particular job or you're in the military, and, but you come across a guy and he's, he's like a full bird colonel or a general and he's just really soared up the, up the uh, ladder of success there or a, a business person that their business has really taken off and they're doing really well. And maybe you had a meeting with them or you were at a dinner party or something together. And on the way home, now you would never say this out loud, but let me just give you permission to say it. On the way home, you think, you know, they're really not that bright. <laughs> they're really not that smart. But they, they had this idea and you're thinking, well, if I had that idea, I'm so smart, I would have talked myself out of that. But they were just dumb enough to believe that it could be done, so they did it. They're just somebody that always finds a way because they have this something inside of them that I think we can do this. It's something that I believe God gave us. And we say it this way. We say seeing is believing, but actually, it's actually the other way. The believing is actually seeing. If you believe something enough, you'll find a way. You'll, you'll see what it is that you're believing. To wrap that part up, belief empowers us to try, to try again, to keep at it, it's, it's interesting, like we talked about, uh, you know, the American Revolution. There was, during the 60s, John F. Kennedy, when he, when he became president, 
He, he just gives a speech, just words. And he says, we need to go to the moon this decade. Everybody, everybody thought before that this was impossible. But a guy stood up, spoke words, changed the belief, and all of a sudden, before the decade was out, they figured out a way. They suddenly believed because somebody said something. It affected the way they thought. People got together and they talked and said, well, you know, I think we probably can do that. And all they had was like duct tape and a calculator. I don't even know how they ever got there. They had less technology than we have in our iPhone. And they made it to the moon. I don't know how they ever got back. You watch Apollo 13 sometimes. How did they do that with this technology? They're like duct taping and wire tying stuff together and looking out the window to try to get this lined up. So, How did they do that? They don't, didn't have near the supposed intelligence and technology we had, but they had, this, they had this purpose and this belief inside of them that we'll try again, we can hope, we can imagine, we'll create, we'll improve. Not, be, not, be, not religious, not something they found in church. It's just faith. Another observation. We constantly look for evidence to support what we believe to be true. If we believe something that's true, we'll always look for evidence. We'll accept certain information in and we'll filter out other information based on things that we believe it's just this is the way it is and i you know especially this is especially by the way this is especially true for republicans and democrats some of you are about to leave the church i can see it but you know that this time of year you see it on television you have the talking heads that go on cnn nbc fox whatever it is that you watch and they're talking about a particular thing. You ask them a question. Maybe they're, are the, they're the Republican guy. And they'll say, now, isn't it true that a Republican once gave a promise and didn't fulfill it? And they'll, they'll like just totally ignore the question and say, yes, but we need to make sure we have guns. It's like, what? That wasn't the question. It's just whatever they believe. They'll ask the Democrat, you know, wasn't, isn't it true that this particular, there was a Democrat walking down the street and he like, kicked a dog hey a democrat kicked a dog and they're like well we have to make sure there's health care for everyone including the dog it's like what are you not listening it's just whatever you do the same thing you're on facebook whatever particular thing that you believe you see a certain post and you're oh i'm sharing that look i'm everybody i'm going to change everybody's mind with this one share share and then you see somebody else makes a comment that opposes what you just shared and you're like oh you're biased your, your information is skews. You have wrong information. It's simply because no matter what you believe, not talking about church, anything, uh, how to raise kids, how, how to have a marriage, what kind of school to go to, common core math or not common core math. Man, you can get people talk about civil war. You get people shooting each other because they don't want to like the way that you add and subtract. It's simply because we filter out the things that con- contradict. We find evidence to support Whatever it is we believe to be true. Happens in marriage. Couples, here's a little advice. This won't cost you anything. This is just a side thought. Couples that believe the best will see the best. If you believe the best about the person that you're with, suddenly you'll start seeing good things. If you believe bad things, you know, it's like, she's late again. I know what happened. She got to talking with her friends. They stopped by. They said they were going shopping for 15 minutes. It always happens. 15 minutes turns to 30 because you don't believe the best, you begin to see certain things. Or you can say, well, she's late, but I know she wouldn't intentionally hold us up. Something must have happened. There's a difference. It's the same person that's the same late. But if you believe the best about a person, you'll begin to see the best. Because you see what you believe. Okay, another observation. Belief is easy to maintain within a community of shared belief. If you get enough people together 
that are believing exactly the same thing, then they will support, you'll support each other. You know, you get to thinking, well, I'm not sure if what we believe, I don't know, that doesn't seem right. Well, then you get 20 people show up at your house and you get to talking and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, we're right. And you, because you have a group of people that are filtering out the things that contradict what they believe and are supporting, showing evidence. See, here's an article, look at this, read this, look here. And the community supports each other in what they believe. We as Americans, we look at other countries, we, watch, we look on TV and we say, how can those people act like that? Well, it's because they all believe a certain thing. When you actually go to that country, you're like, oh, yeah, I see. If I lived here, if I was from here, the community that shared my belief would help form my belief. They would filter out the things that we don't believe and they would show me evidence and I would act like that. People in other countries, and you may find this hard to believe, they look at Americans and they go, why do you guys act like that? And we say, because we're right. What's your problem? And it's because we all, you know, we have a certain shared thing. And, you know, different places in our country, you go to the south and suddenly you have a group of beliefs. And you're like, how do you, why do you people think like this? You go to the northeast to New England states and you're like, why do you people, number one, talk like this? And why do, you, why do you believe a certain way? You go to Southern California, and you're like, are you from another planet? What's the deal? You go to Northern California, it's an entirely different set of community. And it's shared beliefs. When I go to Southern California, they ask me, why, why do you think like that? You should think like this. Well, it's all simply belief. Nothing from church, nothing spiritual about it. It's that we have this ability, and it's something that I think God actually gave us, this ability to believe maybe there's an evolutionary reason why that dogs and cats and bears and cows don't have this belief, but that we do. I don't know. We could argue that. But it seems to me that it's something that God actually gave us so that we could move forward, so that we could improve. Every generation builds on the knowledge and experience of the next, and we believe that something can be better, and so we act on that. Now, this is something that you know, if you're a Christian, this may offend you. You may find this um, disturbing. I don't know, but the thing is that religious or spiritual belief is simply regular belief applied to things of a religious or spiritual nature. It's not necessarily something that's ooh, something that suddenly comes over you. It's simply that there are certain things I believe about life but there are also certain things I believe of a spiritual nature. There are certain things that I believe about God. Now, with, with any religion, no matter what your religion is, no matter what, what background you come from, you may come from no religious background at all. Maybe Christianity, maybe Islam, maybe Hindu, doesn't matter. Religious or spiritual faith hinges on this phrase, believe that. Every religion, every group of people that has a certain faith, they, have, they will say, well, we believe that, whatever it is, Christians will say and many other religions will say, you know, I believe that God answers our prayers. I, you know, I believe that God hears me when I pray. I believe that you're supposed to do certain things and not supposed to do other things. Jews believe that God somehow spoke to Abraham years and years ago and said, you are the chosen one and all your descendants will be my people. So they believe that they are a special group of people based on their ancestry with Abraham. Muslims believe that the angel Gabriel appeared to who became the prophet Muhammad in a cave. 
told him certain things. They believe that God delivered the Quran to him and that it is this perfect system that is, came directly from God. Muslims simply believe that that is something that happened. And some people, you know, you get together with a group of people and you'll be, you, you can even just ask, try this sometime. Do it over lunch. Invite some people over. It's, you know, there's nothing that makes a happier night than talking about religion or politics. It's a wonderful thing. But just say, you know, what do you believe about? And you get all kinds of answers where people use this phrase. I believe that God works this way. I believe that as long as you're a good person, you don't kick cats. I think it's all right to kick cats. But if you don't kick dogs, you don't, you know, you're, you try to, don't cheat on your taxes, you help out your neighbor. I believe that there's, a, there's sort of a, like an energy in the universe that we're all tied to. And I don't know if it's a person or not, but it's love, man. It's love. And, you know, people will talk about different things that I believe that. That's what any religion is simply using this ability that we naturally have applied to a religious or spiritual concept. And if you believe something deeply enough, long enough, any religious system becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Any religious system. You know, Christians will say, you know, I believe that God answered my prayer. And so you're looking for ways that God answered your prayer. Now, when God doesn't answer your prayer, those of us that are Christians, what we start, we say other things. We filter out, you know, we ha- I want to believe this. I believe that God answers my prayer. And then when it seems like God hasn't answered my prayer, we say things like what? What? It wasn't meant to be. Oh, that's the one. I hate that one. You know, it just wasn't God's timing. Well, God, I want you to know that my rent is due on the first of the month. You might want to get your timing a little better because what are we talking about God's timing here? Um, but we, you know, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. We look for different things. If you decide that there's an energy in the universe and there's something wonderful happened to you, then somehow today I got lined up with that energy. When bad things happen, I knew this morning when I didn't have my coffee and exercise, that my, especially the coffee part, that my energy wasn't lined up somehow with the universe, and today I'm sort of button heads with the universe. And you believe that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy with any religious system. So, but the most important thing with any of this belief is this. Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. Finally, you finally woke up. Do you know what streetlight people are? I don't know. Nobody really knows what that is. But anyway, so when it comes to belief, what, what do we do with this? That's sort of the end of the, of the non-sermon part of this. What, what do we do with this fact that, because some of you, like if you're here for the first time and you were just checking out church, um, you're thinking, you know, finally somebody's being honest about this. If you invited somebody to church for the first time, you're thinking, why did I invite them on this Sunday? Because, you know, what, do we just say then that, you know, religion, and this is what many, many people think, maybe, man, maybe this is the answer, that religion is just sort of this Jedi mind trick that, that people are doing, and it's just because a group of people get together, and we Christians even do that sometimes. We act like the reason that we believe is because, you know, we had this service at camp, and man, the music was playing, and there was this feeling in the room, and it was the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, well, maybe it was the Holy Spirit, or maybe it was just a room full of people with loud music jumping up and down. I I don't know. 
But we, you know, maybe it's just this, this whole mind thing that when somebody stands on a stage and they're a really powerful speaker and they bring their voice down and they tell that one story about the time that they asked God for this and suddenly this happened to them and I just felt something on the inside. Is that what religion is? Maybe it's just this big mind trick that, that, is, that is happening with people. Or, you know, maybe it's just a matter of, well, you know, just, just pick a religion, any religion. Because it's nice for the kids to grow up, you know. A lot of times when people get married, they're like, well, we need to get in church or find something we believe. So, so the kids have something, you know. We got Santa Claus, we got the Tooth Fairy, we got the Buddy shelf, Elf on the Shelf thing, and they need something to believe in. So, you know, people that are religious are proven they're, they're usually happier. They usually live longer. If they don't start a war, but that's a whole other story. You know, it's usually, they're just, they do better in society. Maybe we should just pick a religion, any religion, just whatever you believe, it doesn't matter. Well, I don't know about all that, but here, here is the reason, and this, this is where the, the, the part about, you know, believing or what faith is, the non-sermon, it's over. I want to share with you why I believe the certain things I believe. Because it looks like to so many people that it really doesn't matter. Just pick one. Believe anything that you want. Why should I, Mark, I'm here trying to find out about this Christianity, being a Jesus person. Why should I become a Jesus follower? Why should I believe that that is any different than anything else? I believe that this, but why should I believe in this Jesus thing? And here's why I'm a Christian. Because when Jesus died, those closest to him, his best friends, the disciples that had seen him for three and a half years, that had traveled with him day and night, had heard him speak, they had heard him tell all these amazing stories that they'd only understood about half of them. They saw him raise people from the dead, supposedly. They saw him do all these amazing miracles. They thought he was the one. When Jesus died, those closest to him believed that he was dead. They believed that it was over. Because what happens normally when, when the leader of an organization, when the leader of a movement dies, historically, for example, Gandhi dies, all the Gandhiites get together and say, well, we can't let this message die. This was an amazing thing. It's amazing teaching that he, he, was, he was putting forth here. We've got to keep this message, this teaching alive. And so they continue the movement. But not Jesus' followers. They believed that he was dead. And the trouble is, the things that he had said centered completely about around him being alive. So, Peter, what do you think now about Jesus? Well, I believe he's dead. Are you going to continue his message? No, I'm not going to t- continue his message. He died. They believed that he was a powerful speaker whose powerful speaking got him crucified. That's what his closest followers believed. The ones, there was nobody that thought he was anything special on the day that he died. All their hopes, all their dreams, all their expectations, boom, it was over. They believed, yeah, he was a powerful speaker. Hey, Andrew, what do you believe about him? Well, well, man, he could really stir a crowd, I'll tell you that. I guess he was just a charismatic leader, just like everybody else. We've had lots of charismatic leaders, but we thought he was different, but man, he could really speak so well. And we told him, don't, you know, tone down that rhetoric. Don't go to Jerusalem. He's all like, I got to go to Jerusalem. Well, it got him killed. They believed that. They believed that he was not the Messiah. They didn't want to continue this movement. Oh, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that's going to save us. 
What do you believe about that, Philip, Bartholomew, Nathaniel? What do you think? Well, we thought that he was something. We thought he was going to usher in this new kingdom. He talked about this kingdom coming in. and We thought he was going to take over and be the king of Israel and the Romans were going to be pushed out. We thought he was the one, but he's dead. They believed that. His closest followers. See, this is important. I don't think many times we've stopped to think about this because in America, we've heard so much teaching about Jesus in Christianity that we don't realize what the, what the origin of it is. We think it's just a nice teaching. We think it's just, well, you're supposed to be nice, you're supposed to be good, and Jesus loves you. No, the movement was over. They didn't think he was the Son of God. None of them. There were none of them this is what you need to understand. Think about it. Zero. There was nobody standing outside his tomb a few days later on Easter. See, we're used to thinking, oh yeah, he rises from the dead. Oh yeah? There was none of them were there holding hands going, ten, nine. He's coming out in a minute. None of them. They believed that their lives were in jeopardy. After Jesus was killed, they, none of them wanted to continue the movement. Hey there, Matthew, you want to continue this movement? What are you talking about? We can't even leave our home. They, they locked themselves up in a room because they thought that the same authorities that had just killed Jesus were coming after them. They believed it was over, over. In the end, this is what we don't understand. Jesus' closest followers, all, lost faith in the end. They all left him. Peter said, yeah, I'll go to my death with you. They all ran away when he was, when he was arrested. A middle school girl came by Peter at Jesus' trial and said, hey, don't, aren't you, don't you know Jesus? He said, I don't, I don't know the blankety-blank guy. What are you talking about? None of them believed he was the Son of God. None of them believed he was the Messiah. None of them believed he was who he said he was. They all lost faith. And they believed that it truly was the end. It was over. There's no plan to continue this teaching or continue this movement. This movement is centered completely around this guy. And he got himself killed. There was no expectation that there would be anything different. And that's the reason that I'm a Christian. It's because when I look at all the other religions and I look at all the other faiths and I consider the the pros and cons and the evidences and I see the teaching, yeah, there's some good teaching there and there's some good stuff here and yeah, Christianity has some good stuff. But none of that really matters because you can believe anything. The thing that matters is knowing, investigating, and seeing that everybody that knew this guy left him. But four weeks later, Four weeks, not 20 years, not 100 years later, somebody picked up his teachings in another part of the world. Four, years, four weeks later, the same group of cowards that are locked in a room because they're afraid they're going to be killed pour into the streets of Jerusalem and they, they stand up and they preach to thousands and thousands of people and they have this four-part message. This is cowards that thought, this guy's not the Son of God, this guy's not the Messiah. They had four things to their message. They, did, they didn't start... With, well, okay, we'd like to share a story, you know. Jesus had that story about the two sons. Two sons that had a father and the one son left. And he said, that was a great story, don't you think? Let me tell you about blessed are the poor in heart. Blessed are the poor in heart, pure in heart. Blessed, you know. Let me tell you the story of the Good Samaritan. That's a good one. No, they didn't tell his stories. They had one message had basically four parts. Number one, you killed him. 
In other words, you people that I'm talking, that's the same town. You, you, Frank. I see you, Frank, you big coward. I was there at the crucifixion. You said, give us Barabbas. Crucify him. I saw you. You killed him. He's not talking to a different group of people in a, in a galaxy or a town far, far away. The same town that had just killed him a month ago. You killed him. But God raised him. We have seen him. Say you're sorry. That was basically, that was basically their message. Four points. But we've seen him. I thought you didn't believe it, Peter. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I was scared. You know what, Liz? I was locked in a room with a group of people that we thought we were going to die. What are you doing out here on the street? You see, I saw him, and these two guys over here, they were walking to a town, and they saw him, and then we were all together, and we all saw him. In fact, there's about 500 of us that... We saw him. We've talked to him. And for some reason, 3,000 men who have been taught their entire life that there is only one God. Jewish men. The message from these guys is, you remember the guy that you killed? He's alive. 3,000 of them. And he's, and he's God. 3,000 of them decided, okay, we'll believe that. A few weeks later, 5,000 people, men made the same decision. They have a megachurch. 20,000 probably, counting women, kids, and children. Their children's church was probably louder than ours. And all of a sudden, they have, you have this huge church. All the religious leaders, the religious leaders, the same, the same exact ones that had just crucified Jesus a few weeks before, suddenly have a revolt on their hand. All they got to do to stop the revolt is produce a dead body. They didn't do it. They couldn't do it. Reason after reason where Jesus is dead, his closest followers don't believe it, and suddenly they believe it. The Apostle Paul, a guy named Paul, he's the original terrorist. He's going around, he's killing Christians. He's a Jewish person. Suddenly you have all these people that are saying, Jesus is God. And he's saying, Jesus is God. Yahweh is God. There's only one God. And he took it upon himself he thought he was ordained by God himself to stamp out this new revolution, this new sect of, of these Christians. And he went around putting them in prison and killing them. Suddenly, he comes back to Jerusalem and says, okay, I saw him too. And became the biggest proponent of Christianity in all of history. In fact, 20 years, not 100 years 20 years later, he was, he was in uh, the country of Greece, which for him, it was a long way from Jerusalem. This message spread like wildfire. There's no way to explain the explosive growth of the church that suddenly people began to believe in this Jewish carpenter from the armpit of the Roman Empire in a little dusty place, Judea, in Israel. This Jewish carpenter that never did any writings, nobody knew him, he never went more than 25 miles from his home. They said he died, everybody saw him die. But now he's alive and everybody is believing him. Think of the message, how do you explain this? You're telling Jewish people, oh yeah, the God that you've been serving for thousands of years, he actually came down as a man, we killed him, but he's alive. And they believed it. Why? What had changed? Why did the disciples suddenly flip and become the these people that said, you can kill us if you want. Take our lives if you want. But we cannot deny what we have seen. Not what we, not what we read. Not we opened a Bible and read something. 
But we believe that an event occurred. An event in history. God has entered into history. We know ourselves that it split history in half. We talk about uh, all the years of, that we know of in history with, well, this is what happened before Christ. This is what happened in the current era. When did the current era happen? After Christ was born. He, why is he such a person that we're so centered on Why did these disciples decide all of them but one gave their lives saying, you can kill us, you can crucify us, you can throw us to the lions, you can kill us with a sword. Some of them were boiled in oil. Horrific, horrific things. Because of what they believed, sure people die for what they believed. But these people didn't die for what they believed. They said, we were so scared, we didn't want to talk, Even I didn't even want to tell this little middle school girl that I knew him. And now I'm saying you can kill me because I say I saw him alive? What happened to cause that? That's why I'm a Christian. Paul said it this way to the Athenians. It says he's given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. The thing that makes Christianity different than anything else is because we believe believe that something happened. Not just that we believe words from a book. We believe that Jesus was not only crucified for our sin, but that God raised him from the dead. But there's a moment in history that, that uh, set him apart from everyone else, that his words carry more weight with us because God gave us proof that what he said was real by raising him from the dead. So at the very beginning, and this is how we'll wrap this up. At the very beginning of this series, I said, this is the question you have to wrestle with. Not, or Adam and Eve really real people, and did they have a belly button? Not, did, was Jonah swallowed by a whale? Could you get all the animals on the ark? Who really cares? The question is, who is Jesus? Who is he? We have to answer this, and we think that a single event, for those that were closest to him, a single event changed those. There's something happened in the way that they acted, the way that they lived. Their answer was, well, we think he's nobody to suddenly, we think he's the son of the living God and he's the only way to eternal life. Now, years ago, and I'll wrap up these, these little three words I want you to remember when you're thinking about Jesus. Because you're, you know, if you don't decide to do anything with this, there's something I want you to at least talk about. I want you to think about. Over lunch, over, when you have a best friend over, talk about these things or just, just something to ponder. This, this is something that was introduced by, a, he was a former atheist, very, very brilliant man years ago. His name is C.S. Lewis. And he said it this way. When you're considering who Jesus is, you're only really left with one of three options. You can't say, as so many people will say, well, you know, I love the teachings of Jesus, the part about love, love your neighbor as yourself. That was a good one. You know, the part about blessed are those that are poor in spirit. You know, that's, that was a really good one. That good Samaritan story, that is something we really need to live by. But You can't just accept his teachings because he centered it on himself. The things he said about himself, there's only one option. Either, number one, he's the most egotistical, arrogant, narcissistic liar that has ever lived in all of humanity. He's not a good teacher. He's a liar because of the things he said, no, I am the only way to God. You want to get to God? You've got to come through me. I'm the door. Either he's an arrogant, egotistical liar, or he's absolutely nuts. He's the most delusional, maybe prideful, lunatic 
that has ever been on the face of the earth saying he's like the original God complex person. Yeah, he thinks he's Jesus Christ. He thinks he's everything that, that we should have in a relationship. He thinks that he's the only one. He's nuts. You can't just pick and choose certain things. Here you have a guy that says, I'm God. Anything you want to know about God? Look at me. The things that you used to think about God, that's not right. What an arrogant lunatic. You can't just say, oh, I kind of like him. He's just like Buddhism and Hinduism. No, he's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's exactly who he says he is, and he's Lord. He's the one that's above everyone. He's the, he's the one that we need to submit our life to and say, okay, I believe that God hears my prayer, not because it's just something I believe that. It's because Jesus said, when you pray, God hears you, and he God raised him from the dead to prove that the things that he said were true. I believe that God is my father because Jesus said, God actually loves you just like a father loves you. I don't believe that just because that's something nice to believe. I believe it because he rose from the dead to prove that what he said was true. He's either liar, lunatic, or Lord. And that's something you have to decide. So I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you here in just a moment, and we're going to be dismissed. If, if you're a person that maybe you've been coming for a while or maybe this is your first time. And, um, you know, we don't do this high-pressure thing where we ask you to come to the front or whatever, but we believe that there's a point where someone's ready to say, yeah, I've thought about it. I don't understand it all. You don't have to have all the answers to all the questions, but I'm ready to take that step to start following him. As, as I get done praying, there's a couple people over here to the left. There's Courtney. She's standing over there. And they're ready to to pray with you, just to talk with you. It's real low pressure. You don't have to come to the front in front of everybody. Maybe you're ready to, and you may have other things, problems in the marriage, problem with children, whatever, problems at work. Or you may be to that point where you're like, yeah, I, I think this Jesus thing might be right. They're there for that purpose, to pray with you. For you to consider, which is it, liar, lunatic, or Lord? Oh, let me pray for you and we'll be dismissed. Father, I thank you so much that... Um, you, you don't care. You, you're not offended at all when people say, you know, I have doubts. You know personally, Lord, I say that to you every now and then. That I, I have a doubt concerning this. I have a question. It's all right for us to investigate. And, and sir, the ev evidence that you've given us that, that overrides everything is if a guy predicts, okay, I, I'm God, but I'm going to be killed, but then I'm going to raise from the dead, and nobody believes him, Lord, but we see evidence after evidence after evidence that it actually happens. We choose to believe that. And I ask you to open the hearts of those that are wrestling with that question, that are just, just now, maybe for the first time in their life, uh, considering that possibility. I ask that you show them just how much you love them and, and show them that there is, there's, there's enough evidence to take that first step. And as they follow you, the rest becomes clear. Help us to see that. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you leave next week, do not come here. I mean, you're welcome to come here, but we won't be here. But we'll be down at Stonebrook Center. There won't be child care, so put your children on a leash or in a cage and bring them, something like that. But uh, we'll be there next week. Have a great week. We'll see you then.